Hi, this is JP in Manila, the Philippines. You're listening to I Love This, You Should Do with Indy Renawa and Samantha Hees. cruel world coming to you from the wilds of central alberta it's i love this you should too my name is indy randawa and with me is my co-host samantha he's hello there she is so in this podcast we introduce movies the other person may hate or doesn't know and then we talk about them and i ruin sam's childhood by hating everything she brings to me yeah, basically. I've liked a lot of them. <laughs> you have, actually. <laughs> You're making yourself sound a lot worse than you actually are. Mwahaha. <laughs> <laughs> um, And may I say happy 25th episode. Oh, 25 episodes. That means yeah. 25 weeks of pure hilarity and insightful takes on all sorts of things. Yes. Right? Correct. Yeah. Well, cheers to Let's that. Let's cheers to that. And what are we drinking today? Um, today we are drinking the watermelon wheat beer from Kensington Brewing Company in Toronto. Mm, good stuff. Um, it's delicious. It's good. A lot of watermelon wheats I don't like because they do an artificial watermelon flavor and it tastes like that bad hubba bubba. But this one, subtle, nice. I, I tried it when I was in Toronto and had to bring you some home to prove to you that there is good watermelon beer out there. You restored my faith. Excellent. But will this movie restore my faith in giant movies that I usually avoid? In Leonardo DiCaprio before he started working with Scorsese? In romantic movies that all sorts of teens love? Well, we're going to have to find out because we are talking about Titanic. Put your life belt on and get to the boat deck. Life belt? Yeah, your life belt. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Like a life vest? Yeah, but they called them life belts in Titanic. Oh. Did you watch the movie? <laughs> I did. I, I did not remember the life belt part. Yeah. He said, ma'am, put your life belt on and get to the boat deck. All right. Well, yeah, do that. Do that. We'll meet you there. Is that here? Yeah. Okay. So first up, we usually do um, a summary. We do a summary for people who haven't seen the movie, but I feel like I'm the only one who hasn't seen this. <laughs> you are literally the only one. Um, well, why don't you just give it your best shot? Okay, I can do a real quick summary. Okay. Uh, there's a guy named Jack. He's poor. He's an artist. He wins his way onto the Titanic in a poker game. Uh, he meets Rose, who is very well-to-do and buttoned down, but she's not content with the life she lives because she's engaged to Billy Zane. But Billy Zane's name is? Cal. Cal. Cal's a real bad guy, and he takes every opportunity to show you that he's bad. So the two of them, Jack and Rose, they fall in love. Yay, everything's going to be happy, right? Oh, no, they hit an iceberg. They start sinking. They sink for a real long time. And Billy Zane does survive. Rose and Jack are look like they might survive because they're in love. How could they not survive? And Jack sacrifices himself to make sure that Rose survives. She lives, Jack dies, and Rose's life will always be changed because of it. And there's an unnecessary framing story. Is that about right? Yes. That was like three and a half hours and about a minute and a half <laughs> huh that doesn't bode well if you can explain three and a half hours in a minute and a half but. Well, there's you know some things you skipped over but 
Indy, first things first. Did you love it? <laughs> Let me give you a little bit of an okay. answer. I think I'm in a really unique position because I'm seeing Titanic for the first time now. So pretty much every cliche that you could expect will happen in this movie. Every plot point, you're going to see it coming, but you're not going to feel bad about it. I didn't. I felt comfortable. It was a ride that I wanted to go on. And as much as I dislike James Cameron, as much as this movie really suffers from one-dimensional characters, from occasionally cringy, if not clunky, dialogue, it's a very good movie. I think I saw this at the exact right time, not being a man in your 30s, but I was in a really good mood. We were kind of on our first day off in a really busy time. Yeah. We spent the day just kind of hanging around, cooking, and then our big plan was to watch Titanic. So I was in as good of a mood as possible going into it. I think the movie probably benefits from that because a lot of things that I would normally be pretty critical of, and not just because I was in a good mood, but because it's very well constructed. Mm -hmm. And sure, it's typical, sure, it's cliche, but it's also just comfortable and engaging and it doesn't reinvent things. It knows what it's doing and it does those things very well. Titanic, I'm very surprised to say, is a really good movie. Oh, okay. It, it was, I had so much fun. It was a fun movie to watch. We, we, we did have fun yesterday watching it. Yeah. I think that maybe this will be a movie that won't stick with me. Right. I'm not going to want to rewatch it. I maybe won't remember a lot of the things about it for years to come, but it was such a fun ride to go on. Mm. It's a real fun movie to watch. If somehow you haven't seen it, go on and watch it. It's quite good. Mm -hmm. It's really well crafted. A lot of problems. We'll talk about them, yeah. but overall, such a fun movie. Yes. It's a good time. And uh, it's available on Amazon Prime Video. There you go. In a really good quality version, actually. I think a, they have a 4K transfer yeah. in there. So the next thing is, did this movie hold up for you? You loved it as a young teenager. How do you like it now? I loved it. You love it still? I still love it. Is it as good? It's as good. Yeah. Um, so there are some things that are obviously dated. Like I remember seeing it and this was one of the first movies that kind of had that huge CGI component to it because obviously they're not going to build the titanic to film it to sink it to like they're not going to do that but they almost did i've heard they that they built like a two-thirds scale which yes. is pretty much building this at titanic. pretty much yeah so there were a couple of things that looked a little clunkier than they would if this movie was made now that with the cgi that we're used to but uh yes it totally held up and um i actually watched it twice and like 48 hours. Yeah, you watched it the day before we watched it. And we're recording yeah. this after just watching it. Like, so yeah. another reason why I'm in such a good mood and I'm giving it a real favorable review <laughs> is I'm so fresh and I really haven't had a chance to sit critically and think about it. Yes. But I liked it. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched it twice. The first time wasn't super like close watch. I was doing something else while I was watching it. But um. <laughs> Yeah, the emotions, the storyline, the feelings that you get, which we'll talk about a little bit later, are really, um, they're still there, even if, like, it looks a little dated. Now it's time for you to tell me your favorite part. I think my favorite part was just the spectacle of the movie. 
And it's so strange because I always say I'm not going to watch a movie just for the sheer size, for the spectacle of it. Mm -hmm. But when the boat actually starts sinking and you're kind of being carried around with these characters and the camera's just careening through these Mm -hmm. hallways and the water is coming after you, it's very effective. Yes. It was really well made. And sure, there's parts that are unnecessary, like they get stuck in one little area and they're like, oh no, we can't find the key. And you know, they're going to get out of there and we don't always need that. Following these characters around first from the bowels of the ship as they go up and eventually reach the mm-hmm. top, only to find that it's more dangerous up there. The whole boat is going upright and you see all those people falling. Mm-hmm. It was nuts. It, and it still holds up. I get what you're saying. A lot of the CG looks dated, but all of that stuff was, it's was still, spot on. Yeah, it was very good. It, it, even though it looks dated, it's still very effective. Definitely. Um, so I, I agree. That's definitely one of my favorite things was how well um, James Cameron was Cameron was able to show you the sheer size of the boat. Mm-hmm. And he, throughout the movie, kind of subtly reminds you just how small these people are and just how large the ocean is. And there's one point when the boat is sinking and they're setting off flares. Because when you're on the boat, you really feel like you're on the biggest thing ever. You really, everything is so huge. And then they zoom way out and you get to see this flare go off from the boat and then they pull back really far. And you really see how small that flare is in like the grand scheme of the ocean. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really good way of reminding you just how isolated they are. Yeah, and in that same sequence, when you have so much noise, a lot of claustrophobic shots when you're down in the ship, they would also cut back and you'd get a wide of the entire Titanic. And there was that instance where the lights flickered and went off and it was such a peaceful and serene shot. Mm -hmm. And juxtaposing that with the chaos that was going on on deck was also really effective in both showing the size and intensity that was going on within that ship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I feel like we both like the same thing about it. Yeah, it was fun. It was was fun. It was a good sequence. Mm -hmm. So what was your least favorite part? I think this won't surprise you because every time it would happen, I would audibly get angry. (laughs) It was the whole framing story. This old lady talking about the heart of the sea? Heart of the ocean. Heart of the ocean. Unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. Mm -hmm. And more so than just being unnecessary, when it was inserted into the movie, it takes you out of it. Yeah. It was like having to sit through commercials. And I was so invested at that point, which was very surprising to me. So I was getting (laughs) really into it. I would just be like, get to the movie. I want to see what happens. When you have them going out into that last scene and you think one of them's going to die, maybe they're going to survive, and then you cut to an old lady talking about it, it's not effective. It takes the stakes way down, and I don't see why it's necessary. And if it was necessary to give it some sort of historical context, I know they're trying to give this big historical event its due, But it could have been so much smaller. Mm -hmm. You could have just done a little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end. Yes, they didn't need to cut back and forth. Why was she in there? It was very annoying. And she, whoever plays the Rose of today, was nominated for Best Supporting Actress, which I think is nuts because she was 
I didn't think was any good. Mm-hmm. And I get that she was an actress and this was kind of like her her last big hurrah. <laughs> and maybe I sound like a jerk, but I don't think she was any good. I don't think that whole story needed to exist. I felt Bill Paxton was super annoying. Like, <laughs> well, that right, that was Bill Paxton with that earring. Yeah, and I'm like, an underwater bro yeah. with a cool gold hoop earring. <laughs> it was all annoying. I didn't like it at all. How did you feel about that stuff? Um, I agree with you. I, when I started watching this, um, the first time in the last 48 hours, I, uh, (laughs) I forgot that that was how the movie started. And so long. So long. And that's what I was just going to say. I I kept being like, okay, well, it's like 10 minutes at the beginning of the movie. It's like 35 minutes at the beginning of the movie. I kept shouting out loud, start the movie. (laughs) You did. You did. And I think I kept shushing you. Yeah. Still, it was it was it was too long, and um, I did really want to get to to the Titanic that like I know, mm-hmm. which is like the nostalgia of Jack and Rose and and being on the boat and the society of the time and everything. I really forgot how much I did not enjoy. It's so the boats like the the historical research of it. Yeah. That being said, my least favorite part was when people were jumping off the boat as it was sinking and hitting things. Oh, that was my favorite part. I, like, can't even look when that happens. When they hit, like, the propellers or anything as they're jumping into the water. And it's, like, already sad when they feel like there's no way out and they may as well just, like, jump into the ocean. And then they hit something and they've clearly broken their spine or something yeah and like oh it it just it was too much but i understand why it's in the movie i loved that part i know i didn't love it in the sense of yay people (laughs) wow okay that's dark it was very well done and it really showed the scale of things because people were falling for so long and then bouncing off things it showed how hopeless and dangerous this situation was so i thought it worked really well i as you know for the most part i'm very quiet during movies i sit there and i just watch it i don't like to talk especially when we're doing them for the podcast this time though every time someone fell i was like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) i was getting really into it and i was yelling for characters to do things because i was so caught up in it yes and when people died this way you felt it. You kind of like feel it in your you guts do. because it was it was gruesome. Yeah, and I think that's part of the reason why I don't like it as much is because you by that point in the movie we're like three hours in, maybe like just under three hours in, and you're like you're totally invested and you're totally in that mindset where like you are a person on that boat and you like really are feeling the emotion and the feeling of fear and the anxiety and the adrenaline that's happening. And that's where the score comes in really well, too. Whenever the score would come in, it often has the the notes of uh, My Heart Will Go On. Yes, it's all throughout the movie. So at the beginning of the movie, you would hear that as they're going through the remains of the Titanic. And yes. I kept saying, like, oh, it's haunted by the ghost of Celine Dion. <laughs> but also it was kind of ghosty because this isn't a documentary we're watching. We're watching a movie. But they are going under, into the ruins of the Titanic. Yes. And we're hearing all the things that happened on the Titanic. Yes. I really enjoyed that that part. In the world of them? So are they saying it's like literally haunted and you can hear those things when you're there? No. But if it's doing it for our sake as an audience member, then it's bordering in the world of documentary of saying like, oh, these are the things that are happening there. 
but it's not. It's a movie, so it's a strange choice. I think it's to get you into the mindset of, like, yes, this was a real thing. And I think they are paying homage to the fact that this is, like, a disaster that happened and lots of people died. But here's a story about it. And I actually wrote in my notes that how much I loved the switch between the movie set and the historical footage that you kind of go back and forth and it really set the scene for me. Let's let's start talking about some of the characters. Let's. Um, so one obvious place to start is to start talking about Rose and Jack mm-hmm. and their relationship and how we meet them first. Um, this movie does a really good job of making sure you know that they are not from the same world. Oh my god, every single line they say just has to underscore the fact that like, oh, he's a free spirit. She's so buttoned down. How will it ever work out? Yeah. They have to put it into every line, and it's 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 too much. It, it's a, They do kind of hit you over the head with it. What did you think of the characters? Character, because they don't really exist without each other very much. <laughs> True, you're right. I was surprised, because I'm a Kate Winslet fan. Mm-hmm. I don't really care for her too much. No? Unless. She was fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but... I don't think she was charming or anything like that. I don't see how someone would just fall in love with her automatically. I think it's her hair. That's what does it? (laughs) I don't know. He was really into redheads. Yeah. Yeah. Did you like Leonardo DiCaprio in this? I did. At first I thought, well, he's way too young. But I think that works out because he's supposed to be like a teenager or something. And I think he's actually older, but he looks like he's 16. So Yeah, so Rose was 17. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So that puts him about the same age, I'm sure. Yeah. But Leonardo DiCaprio is such a baby face. He looks so much younger than her. Yeah. She's a woman and he's a boy. Yeah. And it's kind of weird. It is. It's a little weird. But she doesn't have a whole lot of character, I found. Everything that she is and believes, she straight out says it over and over again. And she's Mm -hmm. like, she doesn't want to be a part of this rich, privileged life. She's a woman and she's being held down, but she's independent. And she just tells you that so often through through every scene. And it comes across a lot less like a true kind of um, strong-willed woman or a true feminist idea and more mm-hmm. like pandering. Okay. So what if I told you that Gwyneth Paltrow, Winona Ryder, Claire Danes, and Reese Witherspoon had been considered for the role? Can you see any of those People doing a better job? Have Claire Danes and Leo DiCaprio ever been love interests in a movie? Because they should have been. I would watch that all day. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Okay. I was a big Claire Danes fan. Okay. I don't think she did anything wrong. It's just she didn't have a lot to work with. Mm-hmm. The character was pretty static. It was and the only thing yeah. she changes is that she falls for, for this character, yes. for Jack. Um, so for the role of Jack... Even though we really like Leonardo DiCaprio in this in this role, um, Matthew McConaughey was considered, um, Billy Crudup, and Chris O'Donnell. I see, and I like having seen the movie and known it for so long. I can't imagine anybody but Leonardo DiCaprio playing. Oh, for me, I could see like yeah, anyone, whatever. Oh, okay. I didn't find like either of these characters were just so integral that it was this actor doing it. I feel like they're pretty interchangeable because I think. The two of them were not the selling feature of this movie to me. They're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. It sounds like I'm coming down on them pretty hard. But they were just, they're fine. They're good. Yeah, I agree. I didn't think they brought anything especially original to it, though. So that's why I think if there's someone else doing it, it would work out, too. Mm-hmm. That's true. 
I like that the acting wasn't super overbearing just because we already know the story of the Titanic. We know it happens. This is just kind of a nice interlude between them getting on the boat and the ship sinking. We know that the boat's going to sink, Mm -hmm. of course. And I kind of like that they played off that. They have the one good thing that the framing story did is there was that kind of computer-generated recreation of what happened. Of First this happens, then this happens, and then it went down. It all happened in this long. So you know, as an audience member, this is what you're going to get. So it creates tension not by having suspense of, oh, is it going to sink? You know it's going to sink, and you know exactly how it's going to sink. And that allows you to just kind of go on that journey. Yes, without having to like think about the timeline and figure mm-hmm. out what's going to happen. And yeah. And I feel like the romance is the same way, but in a less effective way. Yes. As soon as Jack sees Rose... You have his friends saying, like, keep on dreaming, boyo. So you're like, okay, yeah, he's going to fall in love with her. It's going to work out, but not really. And everything is laid out for you. And it's less effective than with the boat because that part I would have liked a little bit of surprise maybe yeah. with their relationship. Because this is the only part of the story that we don't know. But it was also the least dynamic part of the story, I felt. Hmm, okay. How many times do you think they say the words Jack and Rose in this movie? Like, combined 3,000? Yeah, probably. Oh, every line. Jack, Jack, Rose, Rose. I love you, Jack. I love you, Rose. Rose, I love you, Rose. Rose, love, Jack. Yeah, nobody in real life says the other person's name that much. Sam, of course they do, Sam. Oh, Indy. You know, it's just so interesting, Indy. (laughs) (laughs) I remember back when we watched Edward Scissorhands and you said, like, oh, I don't believe someone could just fall in love that quick. And yet you had no problems with the love in this one? No, I feel like there were more moments that kind of led to it. I don't think so. I, I feel do. like, oh, well, I guess there was the, uh, he saves her from killing herself. Yes. And then they're in love. Yeah. So it was one moment. Yeah. There was more moments than Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm just, I believe it more in this movie. Do you ever hear the term manic pixie dream girl? Yeah, I've heard it. I don't know what it means. It's used a lot in movies, especially of today, when you'd have some male protagonist who has, like, a life that he's stuck in a rut, but then he meets this woman, and she's, like, a free spirit and an artist or a painter or something like that, and then it changes his life, and really she doesn't have any arc or agency or anything. She exists purely to change his life. That's what we get in this movie, but the reverse, because that's all Leo DiCaprio is for her. He's very free-spirited. Yeah. He's the opposite of her life. Yeah, he's there to change her life. He's not there to kind of have his own story as much. And I like at one point, even Jack thinks that Rose is so incredibly one-note and one-track mind because because he uses reverse psychology on her when they're talking about jumping in. He's saying, ah, you wouldn't do it. And she's like, I'm a contrarian. I'll do whatever people say I'm not going to do. Yeah. And it was, yeah, her character was was not so great. No. And she's like, look, I'm smoking. I'm independent. And it also takes a lot of balls for you to be like this super rich person and then compare your life to the slave trade. Yes, she does. At the beginning of the movie, she says, "This for me, Titanic was a slave ship. <laughs> Oof. Ouch. She's very much like a poor little rich girl. Yes. And she, I, doesn't she in fact like call attention to that? Like I know what you must be thinking. Yes. I'm one of those poor little rich girls. Yeah. But 
I have so much more going on. I have so much depth. And I, that's why I get how this love story appeals to, to teenagers. Mm-hmm. Because it's not very developed and the characters are... Are, are teenagers. Yes, they are they teenagers. They act like it. And I guess it's fine because they are supposed to be in the movie. So Jack is 20 and Rose is 17. Yeah, 16, 17. Yeah, same thing. I, um, I did enjoy uh, the way that they kind of developed her character um, when he takes her below deck um, to the party in the third class area. Oh, that dance-off. And she looks so free and, like, mm-hmm. happy. And she doesn't look that happy throughout the rest of the like before that in yeah. the movie and so it's it's nice to see her kind of experiencing life mm-hmm. and um and kind of seeing what her life could be yeah and i think that's definitely like a major turning point for her i get that and i like that idea but it's just it wasn't subtle it was as subtle as a sledgehammer how they tell you these things agreed it's, uh james cameron expert craftsman and this is a love story, but it's not a love story by a man who knows what love is. It's a love story be- for him to this boat, is what it seems like to me. That's the real love story of Titanic. Are you saying James Cameron is, like, boat sexual? Yep. <laughs> yes, yes, I am. Okay. It's a strong stance, but okay. <laughs> um, let's talk about Rose's fiancé, Cal. Cal, Billy Played Zane. by Zilly, Billy Zane. Remember how... When we were talking about it, I said, oh, it'll be some, like, Ben Affleck type. Mm-hmm. I couldn't remember exactly things with Billy Zane, but when I saw this, I was like, yeah, this could totally be Affleck. Yes. <laughs> He's a Ben Affleck type. Um, the part was offered to Matthew McConaughey and Rob Lowe. Oh, okay. I yeah. could see both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like Billy Zane in this role, though. He does a really good job of being kind of awful. <laughs> I don't, it's, the whole character is just too much. He might as well have a long mustache that he twirls all the time. Because <laughs> they started off with doing little things like, oh, this Picasso, he won't amount to a thing. So then we can all laugh like, ha ha ha, he's dumb. And also, that's a reference I understand, so I'm smart. And then he does things like, oh, she'll have the lamb. So we're like, oh, he's controlling, we shouldn't like him. And that could be enough. Yeah. But no, they had to make him this crazy villain who's just shooting at people, who's slapping her around, who's throwing things all over the place. Yes. He doesn't need to be a villain. No. The it... boat's a villain. The, the iceberg's a villain. and the boat, yeah. <laughs> I wish, because this is a trope that comes up in any kind of romantic comedy where the woman has to leave her current partner for the protagonist that we love. Mm-hmm. And there has to be a reason. And the reason can't just be like she's not happy there. Yeah. The reason can't be that she likes this guy more. He has to go to this comic book villain place right. before we can say that Rose is completely blameless in this. And it was it was too much for me. So I did no research outside of the podcast, but I did hear an interview with the guy who played Fabrizio. Right. And he said that he shot a different ending and the ending that he had shot and that was in the script was he's trying to get onto a lifeboat and then Billy Zane essentially murders him. He clubs him with an oar and Fabrizio just drowns right there. And they took that out because they thought like, oh, this is a little too far. I think the other stuff was too far, but I'm glad they took that out. That's too much. That would be too much. Uh, His name is Danny Nucci. What do you think about that, uh, about that Italian accent? It was very stereotypical of what an Italian person would have. Yeah, I've 
I haven't spent much time in Italy, but I don't know anyone that sounds like that. <laughs> Maybe the Mario Brothers sound like that a little bit? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, was... I liked the character. He's a lot of fun, but that accent was, was rough. I think my other favorite character um, was Molly Brown, who is a real life person who was on that ship. Oh, right. That's... Uh, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates is good. I She's... love Kathy Bates. I'm glad that they did like character actors in these other roles yes and not having someone big who would kind of have the star power themselves yes no she does such a good job in most of the roles that she plays and i really enjoy watching her like become a character Mm -hmm. and uh she she was just there to kind of help people along and uh to help jack when he um when he needs information and when he gave her that suit she gave him that suit? Yes. And and when, like, she really takes pity on him, and she's really the only person who, like, doesn't seem to see class. Yeah, because she's new money, so she kind of knows. Yes, she was she lower understands. class in her life. She's been on that journey. Yeah. So she just wants to help, and she really, um, like, brings some levity to these really uptight society ladies. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice to see kind of at the end. It's just a moment. It's like one shot where um, Rose's mother is sitting right next to Molly on the boat, and she gets closer and closer as they keep showing shots of the boat, of the um, the lifeboat, and uh, you get to see her kind of like eventually they're, they're just kind of like huddled against each other, and uh, they both just look scared. And it's nice to see that she's like not lowered herself but kind of accepted the fact that they're all in this kind of together humbled humbled herself yes that's a good way to put it the other thing that i felt was kind of unnecessary was that this is a three hour and 15 minute movie and it did not need to be so first of all you take out that framing story and that's like an hour almost it's true and it could be a, a two and a half hour movie it wouldn't be bad but it was so long I have about a page of notes, and then I have very largely written, we're only halfway, and then two more notes after that, because I just kind of stopped taking notes. It's true. Um, We kind of watched the movie in shifts last night, and we paused in what I think we both thought we were more than halfway through, and we were I thought we were close to the end. Just halfway through. I use the phrase, like, I couldn't believe it a lot and don't mean it, but I actually could not believe it was halfway. I thought that the counter was wrong. I was like, there's no way that we've only seen half of this movie. But mm-hmm. no, it's just it's just real long. It could be cut down quite easily. Oh, absolutely. I think a good first place would be to cut down all the parts that are supposed to be what was present day cut out the framing story done you don't even have to do anything else that'd be like a two and a half hour movie cut down the framing story yeah i'd cut it out altogether i agree with just having a little bit at the beginning and a little bit at the end yeah because in the middle she comes in a few times and occasionally she acts as a narrator and this movie does not need a narrator there's no subtleties that we can't figure out on our own everything is very clear there's no need to narrate a movie like this right So one of the little tidbits of trivia that I found really interesting, which I mentioned to you while we were watching, um, is that the the drawing of Rose with the heart of the ocean on was actually drawn by James Cameron. And Mm -hmm. those are his hands drawing in the scene where Jack is sketching her. Yeah. I've heard from, not about this movie, but James Cameron on sets in general. He's... He's like a dictator and he like yells and screams and all sorts of stuff like that. But the great slash terrible thing is that 
he could kind of do the jobs of so many other people. Right. He's one of the few directors that will get right behind a camera. Okay. He'll set up shots. He can operate cameras. He goes as far as to like making alterations to wardrobe and makeup. Wow. And so I'm someone who doesn't like James Cameron, so I feel like that's someone overstepping their bounds and being di- a dictator. But it's also someone who just can do all these things. He's he's just real smart in a lot of ways. And like a lot of geniuses, he's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like, like you said, it's it's a good thing, but also kind of a bad thing that he's so good at all those things. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually the Heart of the Ocean sketch scene is actually uh, the first scene that was shot for the movie because the rest of the set wasn't ready yet. And so any, like, nervousness or, like, shyness that the actors are portraying is probably real because this is, like, the first time they've gotten to work together. (laughs) So first day of shooting, okay, I'm your director. Hey, you, uh, get naked. I'm going to draw you for eight hours. (laughs) That's weird. I don't like that. And Leonardo DiCaprio, you have to, like, sit there and pretend you're drawing. You watch me draw her. (laughs) Hey, you're, like, you. you're making it super hey boy, creepy. watch me draw her naked. <laughs> so I feel like we should probably spend a little bit of time talking about when the ship actually sinks. Yeah, I mentioned a lot in, well, we both did yes. when we were talking about our yeah, favorite yeah. things about it. But it was, it's a big part of the movie. It is. Because the love story kind of takes place over much of like from 20% to 50% of yes. the movie. And that little gap there then you have all that framing story before but then after that you get all this fun stuff of the boat going down yes can you imagine how cold it must have been to like yes even like so in real life when the titanic was sinking i can't even imagine how cold all that water was and they go in and out of it so many times Mm -hmm. um but i can't even imagine how cold it would have been to film this even just in like a pool yeah i had to do um uh river rescue training Mm-hmm. And that was in March in Alberta, so the snow cold. has I remember that day. just melted, and you're in the water, and they tell you that you're going to experience a little bit of shock, and you realize how like, it's very true. As soon as you get in there, you kind of like, you can't really think. It's so cold. I bet this would have been a nightmare to shoot. It was a real long shoot, they, like eight months or something. And they said that the um, the set wasn't ready for months, so they were scrambling to shoot all these little scenes that didn't need to technically be on the boat. Right. And um, the crew, like you said, James Cameron is an asshole. <laughs> uh, the crew was so mad at him that one of the crew members put PCP in soup that everybody ate. I had ate. heard about this, but this was like the last day, so long, long later. And this is a story that is bigger than the movie because yes. I've heard about this one. Um, more than 50 people went to the hospital, including Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. And he said people were just rolling around completely out of it. <laughs> yeah. I think Bill Paxton talked about it on some talk show. Probably. Yeah. Um, this is while they were shooting in Canada, um, which I think is like, that's hilarious. I guess poisoning people is kind of funny. <laughs> I just like, I think it's 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 interesting that people got so mad. So during the sinking part of the movie, the ship, um, what was your favorite moment? Because it's a long scene. Yeah, there's there's so many moments. And I don't know if I have a single favorite. All those ones you were talking about when a person would plummet and then bounce off something. I had kind of detached off for the physics of that CGI. I was like, yeah, that was well done. Because I've seen bouncing figures yeah. in other movies that don't look as realistic. They start to look so like that, dolls or like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that looked really good. 
when you were introducing this movie, you talked about it's a disaster movie. And I started thinking about all those things, like those Roland Emmerich ones, like um, The Day After Tomorrow and Mm -hmm. 2021, all those kind of big disasters. And what I hate about those is that the deaths don't matter. People Mm -hmm. die all over the place. Thousands of people die in those movies. Well, and with the Marvel movies, too, it's just like you don't. Yeah, and they're always these faceless robots that nobody cares about. And in this movie, it did something that you don't see a movie like this, especially a movie that's probably only rated like PG or PG-13. It does some things that a lot of movies wouldn't do, and it gives gravity to all these deaths. All these characters that we don't really even know their names, but when they die, like, I felt it. Mm -hmm. There's so many instances where when someone would look at the water and then you'd get a reverse shot of their face and you see them realizing they are about to die. Yes. And sometimes you see panic, sometimes you see resignation, but mm-hmm. each time it's it's impactful. Yes. There's a moment um, where there's uh, a blonde woman when they're hanging off the, the front of the boat and there's a blonde woman who's also there um, but didn't make it over the railing and she and Rose lock eyes for a minute and then all of a sudden she lets go. Mm-hmm. She goes flying away and it's really like impactful because you really get these moments with those characters right before they die. Yeah. I my favorite moment was um when they are hanging onto the front of the boat and you can just see how tired they are because they've been wading through water, they've been running around this huge ship, mm-hmm. their adrenaline has been going for so long and they've they're full of anxiety and fear. And um when the front of the boat comes up and they're just kind of bobbing there and they're waiting for the ship to go down, um, it goes quiet. Yes. And it's the first moment where you don't have a spinning camera and lots of noise going on and everything. It's just quiet and you're still for a moment. It really catches up with you, all that emotion. And I really liked the way that they did that. It lets these moments land. Yes. And a lot of movies that are action movies or especially a disaster movie Mm -hmm. does not give any time for these moments where people are dying. And this movie does that. And I think it's, it's very effective. There's that one man who refuses to put on a life vest because he's a he's a proper mm-hmm. gentleman. He's very rich. And he says, no, I'm going down in style. Like a gentleman. Get me yeah. a brandy. Yes. And it's played for laughs because it's kind of funny. It is. And if it were a Marvel movie, that would be the end of it. Yes. But because this movie is a little bit more well-crafted, they cut back to him later on in the movie and the water starts gushing in and we get to see the look on his face when he realizes he's about to die. Yes. So it's not constantly undercutting things with Mm-mm. quippiness like a Marvel movie would do. It, in fact, does the reverse. If there is something funny, it goes back, it doubles back on those things and shows you the outcome, the serious yes. outcome. Yeah. Um, there's another line, kind of like the I'm going to go out like, with a, like a gentleman, um, where a woman is getting on the lifeboats and she says oh can you just hold the boat for a moment i need to go back to my rooms and the crewman just picks her up and puts her in the boat and then they start lowering the boat away like these people don't actually understand just how dire the situation is Mm -hmm. and they're so used to people not saying no to them because they are you know first class and people don't say no to you um that uh it really like punches home just how dire the situation is so I think we're ready to talk about the end. Okay, this is a spoiler zone. Well, this whole, whole episode was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, 
I often heard the debate about, before I've even seen the movie, like, oh, he could have fit on that door too. Have you heard this a lot? Yes, I've seen the the meme where they like kind of draw out a body size right. space. But he couldn't. What do you think? Well, they very accurately show you that the door tips when he tries to get on. Yeah, it's so, in the movie. Yes, you can literally see that he could not have he tried he and it fit it. on it. It's yeah. that like... It couldn't be above water with him on it. No. And then they both would have died. Yeah. And ultimately, the other thing is, it doesn't matter. No. That's, this movie is not about physics. It's about the sacrifice that this character makes. Yes. And he wanted to make sure that she would go on and live her life how she wanted to. Yeah. That overall idea, which when you look back on the movie, the movie is about her growing and coming to the conclusion that she's strong enough to live the life she wants. She can have more. Yes. Yeah. I did not feel that throughout most of the movie. Really? When you look back on it now, you could say like, oh, I guess this leads to it. But I felt that kind of did get lost because she didn't seem very dynamic throughout. And I guess maybe the thing is that the changing in her occurs after the movie's end almost, Mm -hmm. after the Titanic sinks. And then she goes on and lives that life knowing about that sacrifice. And she she draws strength from that. Yeah. yeah. So maybe you could make that argument. But then if the old version of her had come back and I get that they're trying to play that oh she's strong and independent now mm-hmm. but she just kind of seemed like a dick like <laughs> she showed up with all that luggage and also why was she even there she it didn't make a lot of sense but we'll talk about that in a moment why was she even where on the research vessel oh on the research vessel okay why did she come there I don't know she her. called the guy up and said yep yeah, you're gonna have to helicopter me out there because I have something to tell you and she just tells the story of her life and the guy's like well that doesn't really help me and he, she has the the stone the whole time. Yes. She's just kind of fucking with everyone. <laughs> but going back to Jack's death. So I didn't cry, so I guess you owe me a cake. Okay. Remember that was I a thing? I will make you a cake. And I wasn't invested to the point where I would cry, but when... She went to wake him, and he was already dead? Yes. Oh, he got me. It's it's an emotional moment. I think out loud, I said, oh, shit, he's dead. Yeah. Because I didn't see it coming. I knew he was going to die, because mm-hmm. I kind of know the movie. But I thought it was going to be a bit of, there's one moment where he says, like, oh, I have to let go now, because you only you can survive. And then he would oh, let so go you and didn't, float away. You didn't know that he died before. He would before. just freeze then, Yeah. yeah. So when they cut over to them, I was wondering how this death was going to work. Mm-hmm. And then he was just already dead. And I think you just... asked me at one point, you're like, did I miss him? Like, Yeah, because I thought that water? was going to be a thing. Um, There's this scene in my mind. I can picture it, but yeah. apparently it doesn't exist. No, I think you've just seen enough pictures and stills. And so I pictured him pop like, culture. saying uh, whatever it is, like, I'll never let go. I'll never let go. But yeah. then, in fact, he makes the decision to let go yeah. and then falls into the ocean. That's what I thought happened. No, she lets and go And I was sure that corpse. I had seen that, actually. <laughs> no. But no, never happened. No. Um, but it was very effective the way they did it because yes. it was still sacrificial, but then she got to have like a moment about yes, it yeah. of saying the line, I'll never let go, but then she pushes his corpse off. Yeah. Yeah. So she can go get a whistle. Yeah. To save herself. Yeah, because it was a metaphorical never letting go. She'll never let go of that idea. Of him. Yeah. yeah. In her in her heart. The body, though, she let go of it right the, away. Yeah, you probably should let go. Yeah. If you're holding on to a dead body, you should probably let go of it. Yeah. And also, she never told anyone this whole time. I know. What about, like, he had family who never knew that he was on the Titanic and never knew if he was alive or dead. He said he dead. didn't have family. Oh, did he? I he said know. he was just a, oh, what was it, a lone tumbleweed? 
There's someone out there who would miss him, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. But if Fabrizio. Somebody, if somebody <laughs> dies, here's here's my PSA to all of you out there. If somebody dies, especially saving your life, tell someone. If you ever see a person die, tell someone. True. True. <laughs> you should always tell someone. I find it really interesting that she was able to like go to America and start her life over again as like a single woman. Yeah. Like, how? She has no luggage. She has no identification. She, like, was it just easier back then? It's 1912 and you're white and speak the language, you're in. Mm, True. Like, on the real Titanic, I know there were Chinese people on it. And when they were, some of them were rescued and survived. But then when they got to America, they sent them back. Oh, my God. (laughs) I couldn't imagine putting them on a boat again. And, like, oh, they must have been so terrified. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you survived and you were Rose... And you found a 56 carat diamond necklace in your pocket. What would you do with it? I'd sell it and finance my newfound independence. Yeah. <laughs> but what does she do with it? She Nothing. holds on to it, never tells anyone about it. Yeah. Also, how do you hide a multi-million dollar necklace like that? I don't know. I feel like if someone was just wearing it, I wouldn't say like, hey, that's worth millions. I would think it's fake if it's... I right? wouldn't expect a diamond to be that big. I feel like, like, didn't her husband ever, like, wonder why she had this, like, crazy piece of jewelry? I just don't get the symbolism of this necklace. Because it's something that she hangs on to, but never sells, even though she could, and it would make her life better. Yes. And it's not like it's something that reminds her of her true love, Jack. It's something that was given to her by her asshole fiance. Yeah. So why does she hang on to it? I don't I don't know. I feel like the point that they're trying to make is that she's, like, starting a new life without the help of her old life. Then why does she hang on to it the whole time? Yeah, she should be, like, getting rid of that thing as fast as she can. Yeah. And then she comes back to the site and throws it in the water there? Yeah. That didn't make any sense, too. It's supposed to be, like, this huge symbol, but I don't get of what. Yeah. Remember in the movie they talk about it being worth more than the Hope Diamond, which is, like, worth 300 and. 10 ish million dollars yeah so that her family for generations would have been set up there's there's no reason and it seems like a plot contrivance that doesn't pay off Mm -hmm. because they want to have this big symbol of like no she she gives it away and throws it back into the ocean but why yeah why does this necklace mean anything to her maybe the only thing that i can think of is that she didn't want to be found when she tries to sell the necklace oh okay like, she's trying to, like, stay under the radar. But then why is she throw it into the ocean? Well, I, I, I can't explain that. <laughs> and if she didn't want to be found, she probably wouldn't be on this boat telling her life story. I feel like it's so past the point now. Because they said she's, like, almost 101 years old. Yeah, it is past the point. So why is she? why was she on this boat in the first place? She's just there to fuck with everyone. Yeah. Yeah, to tell her story one last time. She's and like, all of you are just looking for this one thing, huh? Here it is. I'm throwing it away. It's also, on your boat. <laughs> you'd think he could go and just get it now. Maybe that's what she's hoping is that, like, he'll find it at the bottom of the ocean now. Why? Why not just give it to the guy if that's what know. she wants? It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Because um, also, yeah. that's an asshole move. Oh, okay. <laughs> of dying? Well, I mean, like... <laughs> The ultimate prank, I'm going to go die in your bed. <laughs> so you think she dies at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Isn't that... Assumed? Yeah, because she, she's going up the stairs and everyone who died on the Titanic is there. That's weird. 
that last so shot. So she goes to her afterlife and it's just the Titanic. <laughs> so all those people, they're still there. Yeah. So the Titanic is super haunted. Super haunted. With all the ocean ghosts. Ocean ghosts. And now she's an ocean ghost. Yeah. Maybe she was finally waiting to get back to Titanic so that she could be with Jack. I guess. Maybe that's why she went on the boat. She went there to die so she her ghost could go down to the boat? Yeah. That's that's a long walk. No, not not <laughs> Literally. not a literal. Well, I mean it's like two I mean. and a half kilometers. Yeah. But for us to try to read into what that ending was supposed to mean is kind of all over the place. Or yeah. I guess maybe that's just her heaven. Maybe. Is just being reunited is with Jack. Being with Jack and she was happy with him on the yeah. boat. But it that's would have been nice that if they could be off the boat where there's not this impending doom. Forever. And the sight of their deaths. Yeah, the whole dropping the necklace made no sense. And even less than like, well, it doesn't make sense why that character would do it. It's such a low note to go down on. Yes. While you had the emotional impact of Jack dying, that is the impactful part. Her throwing this necklace that really has no meaning to her or the audience into the water doesn't mean as much. So I feel like if if James Cameron insists on having this, like, story, this intermingled story mm-hmm. maybe she dies in her bed on the boat with it in her hands oh doesn't yeah. throw it over the ocean maybe and you see like oh she had it the whole time she had it the whole time yeah. she was like holding it close to her and she was finally back where she wanted to be so she passed away and then the boat guy gets it or mm-hmm. his daughter get or her daughter gets it it would have been so yeah. much more meaningful though if the thing she was holding on to was something from jack yes but she doesn't have anything from Jack. Yeah, or if, um, like, the boyfriend had tried to pay Jack off with something to just get out of here, but he kept it and then gives it to her. Right. And then it's some... I don't know, but it's... there. She doesn't have any emotional attachment to mm-hmm. this item. I mean, it's basically the equivalent of a collar. Like, yeah. he's claiming her. Yeah. And he's putting this collar on her, and she's now his property. And if you want to give it the symbolism of she's kind of getting rid of that life and she doesn't belong to anyone but herself, have her throw it into the water when she's Kate Winslet. Yeah. Like at the end of that, she throws it away. going into New York or whatever. Then you would see the symbolism at least. Yes. And that she's giving this up. It could be something that she could use, but she's giving it up because she doesn't want that life. When Pal walks by her and she hides in her blanket from him. And then when she's giving her name and she gets rid of her regular last name, she's Dawson. Dawson. And then throws it away. Yeah. Beautiful. That works. This part doesn't make sense because she seems like she is quite rich because she takes a helicopter in, has all this luggage. Yes. So she seems like she is living that life. Yeah. But I don't know. I, don't I didn't know. get that part. Did we just rewrite the end of Titanic? We should. Someone <laughs> should. And then Bill Paxton on that boat. He's just James Cameron. Right? He's the stand-in for James Cameron. Basically, yeah. I feel like there's a lot of people may have been saying, oh, you're profiteering from this tragedy, James Cameron. And nowadays you can do that all the time and it's mm-hmm. fine. People oh, yeah, do yeah. it constantly. But I think he may have gotten some criticism at the time. So he put in this big story. And then he puts in the part of the Bill Paxton character going like, Oh, I get it now. I'm letting Titanic in. What does that mean? I think he just means that he's never really thought about the tragedy of yeah. it. He was just so focused on finding artifacts. But not artifacts. This one diamond yeah. only. It's, I don't know. That whole framing story. There's so many issues with it. I wish it wasn't there because this is a better movie without it. True. I, I, I agree that it doesn't need to be in there at all. 
When they did find that safe, though, when we learned all this paper has somehow survived forever, (laughs) do you find that safe may have been like a metaphor for her? That she had lived this kind of safe, enclosed life. And then when it's open, the symbol of her freedom was not this necklace, but rather the drawing that Jack had done. Because that's when she was kind of giving herself over to this new life. Forever, yeah. That's a better symbol than this necklace. Yeah. Yeah. I liked the note. Did you see the note that Cal pulls out of the safe? Oh, yes. What did it, it says, say again? darling, now you can keep us both locked in your safe. Right. And she puts the diamond back in with the drawing. Oh, so it is very much a It's very much that, that yeah. yeah. And and Cal does not like that. <laughs> and I think it's a really funny way to kind of get back at him when she knows she's planning on getting off the boat with Jack in New York. Mm-hmm. And, and she's done with that part of her life. And the fact that she spat in his face yes. was kind of... It's funny and it's symbolic of, of Jack, right? Yes. Because that's something she had just learned and that's her new free life. And, yes, and something and that her old life she would never have done. Right. Oh, I thought it was funny during the spinning scene when they're practicing and his her mother walks up behind him right. and he has a little bit of spit on yeah, his face. Yeah, the whole time. Yeah. And I was like, well, well, do you wipe it? Or that's more apparent? You're trying attention to yeah. it? I like that part. Yeah, that was cute. There were a couple of cute parts like that that mm-hmm. they really made you see just how young they were. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we're coming to the end of our big epic journey to the Titanic. Luckily, it's a little bit shorter than the movie. <laughs> just a just a couple minutes shorter than the movie, yes. But do you have anything you want to wrap up on? Um, well, I did. We talked to my mom and my uh my stepdad about this movie at dinner the other night that we were going to be watching it and uh my stepdad who's an electrician said he really admired the electricians who stayed and flipped all the breakers oh, yeah, on and true. off all, they, they were doing they were work. right until the end yeah. and my mom said that one of her favorite parts of the movie that really emotional and really stands out to her and that she can very much still see vividly in her mind is when um the captain's standing in his uh room with the wheel and everything going down with the ship, going down with the ship and the um and the band playing on. The band playing on. So I just wanted to give a shout out to those moments because my mom rose. <laughs> oh, rose. Yes. <laughs> I really, really loves this movie and I, yeah. I do too. I remember seeing it with her for the first time. It's good. Mm-hmm. Oh, are they going to listen to this? Oh, yeah. Well, I swore a lot in it, didn't I? That's fine. And it's not the first episode you've sworn in. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never sworn in front of any parents. Yeah. Anyone's parents ever. Ever? No. (laughs) Okay. Do you have any final thoughts, Cindy? Yeah. I think if you're like me, if you've never seen this and you think you know what it's about, or maybe you saw it a long time ago and because there's a lot of people who hate this movie and you've been listening to them, I just want to say, like, give it a shot. Give it another shot, yeah. If you think it's really schmaltzy and cheesy, you know, it kind of is. But still, it's a well-made movie. It is well-made. It's so much better than I expected. So uh, I'm going to sound like I just love this movie. In the end, I like it. It's good. I probably don't like it as much as the movies uh, that were my picks. Yes. But I don't know. This might be my favorite pick of yours. Oh. All I can say is it's a very good movie. It's a very good movie. It's important. uh, Gone with the Winds, the Ben-Hurs, the things Mm. like that. It's the last of those in my mind. The big epics. Yeah. Sure, we have our end games now, but they feel kind of ultimately hollow. They're not romantic epics Mm -hmm. that movie doesn't exist anymore and on the other hand it was transitional because it's the birth of the cg epic yes which it was is, the first time we'd seen a lot of these effects and I which think... is what endgame and those ones are now it's yes. the transition point for that and all in all it's a well-crafted pretty good movie 
pretty good movie. It's okay. a good movie. It's a good movie. I don't think it's best movie of all time. I don't think it should have won best picture, but it's very good. Okay, well, if you think that you have some good takes on this movie and you want us to uh, read them and maybe discuss with you, you can email us at I love this, you should, and the number two at gmail.com. Uh, you can reach us on Twitter and Instagram at ILTYS and the number two. And you can find us on Facebook at I Love This You Should Too Dash Podcast. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you. We like getting our fan mail and uh, we enjoy uh, hearing what you guys think. All right. Until next time, if you see somebody die, tell someone. <laughs> and if you inherit. Uh, $300 million necklace, you should sell it and set your kids up for life. Yeah. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye. I am a robot. I love this. You should do. That's pretty good. <laughs>